Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. Live and in effect. No, well, not live. This is pre-recorded. Um, I want to welcome today's guest. I have the great privilege of speaking with artists living and working in D.C., uh, mostly working in 2D materials and loves printmaking, photography, graphic design, drawing, painting. I have a long list. It's going to keep going. Please welcome Christine Venyard. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. I, I saw I saw your uh, your IG and I saw work on there and I was doing kind of my deep dive. It's like there's information out there, but then you're also mysterious. So <laughs> shout out to that. I like that. Maybe work a little bit for it. Thank you. Actually, you know, I appreciate that. Uh, I don't like to be like I have all my information out there. So I kind of I take it as a compliment. <laughs> Uh, and, and the funny thing is, I'm a data analyst by day, so I was like, "All right, I got to use my real skills now." <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> so, before we get too deep into this 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 podcast, this interview, and all, I want to start off by um, like uh, offering up something I think that most people like to do, and it comes easy for them. Let you talk about yourself. So, what okay. is the what is your what is your story, and ultimately, what is um, that early experience that you had with art that kind of got you where you're at now? So I have been one of those people who like from my earliest memories have always known what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't know necessarily specifically like within art what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do something creative, something in visual arts. Um, And I've like known that my whole life. So some of my earliest memories are like, you know, drawing and painting and doodling and, and like stuff like that. And um, my parents, I was very fortunate to have parents that encouraged that. Um, You know, when you have a creative child, sometimes parents discourage that and put you on like a math science track, you know, because that's like where the money is. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was very fortunate to have parents who always made it very clear that they were like, we want you to be aware that you're probably not going to make any money, (laughs) but we encourage you to still do this and like follow your passion, you know? So they were like realistically encouraging me. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I mean, my earliest memories, like art at school, my elementary school teacher, I still like keep in touch. Um, She was really influential, even though it was such a young age. Um, I always did like a lot of art camps and art classes and anything art related I could do. I was doing it. Love to hear that. So and, and yeah, having that kind of like early, not sure what you're going to do. If that's what you want to do, cool, go with it. I, I still have, uh, like, I, I was going to be a um, an illustrator. That's what I wanted to be. And I was really into yeah. comics. And I still have some of the, I'm 37, so the books are super old. But I still have, like, some of these, like, art books or how to draw um, comic book characters and things of that nature that I got in the early 90s. I was like, this is great. But I'm kind of t- like tempted not to open it again because I feel like it's yeah. going to be like papyrus. It just turns into dust. Yeah. <laughs> so with having so many interests, like, you know, as we as I said in like the intro, the printmaking, photography and so on, like what type of art? What is that kind of unifying thing? What type of art do you enjoy most and why? Um. So I do have like a large, like expansive 
list of different art things I do. That also goes back to my parents. They were like, listen, if you're going to do this, you're going to know everything. You're going to learn everything. Like you are going to max this out. So like, there is no way you can't get a job, you know? (laughs) So they made very sure that like, I tried everything I could within art um, and it stuck. And then when I was in college undergrad, I am an art teacher. Like that's my trade, I guess, you know, my um, uh, middle school art teacher here in DC. And so when I was in college, I started off as like a drawing and painting major. Then I was a photography major and, you know, I jumped around. So I got a lot of extra classes. If I had started with just education and gone art education, start to finish without jumping around you, I found out through my program that you just don't take as many art classes. You Mm. take basically like a basic sculpture and then that's it. And like a basic painting and then that's it. And because I jumped around so much, in addition to like all my like pre-K through 12 class stuff, you know, um, I feel like I was exposed to so many more different kinds of art and different levels of art. And so I became like fairly skillful and knowledgeable in a lot of things because I have this kind of different like navigation through school. Um, And so it just piqued my interest in lots of different things. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, when I think back, and it doesn't have to be your first, when I think back of being a kid, being in class, uh, kind of rushing through a test so I can pull out my my markers and start drawing X-Men yeah. characters. And I remember this, this damn teacher. Uh, she, she t- I just remember this this teacher that uh, that took my drawing and just threw it away. And I was just really tight about it. Um, do, do you have like a, a a memory of like maybe one of your earliest drawings, first drawing or something like that that comes to mind or really early drawing. You're like, yeah, I could be good at this one day. I'll be really good at this one day. Actually. Yeah. So this is, this is going to sound really stupid now because like I'm an adult and I can like do things, you know, with like my artistic skills, but I would have been in like maybe kindergarten or first grade and you probably did this project too in art class where you cut out like circles that are either different colored pieces of paper or different colored fabric or something and you make a caterpillar mm-hmm. yeah okay it's not a, an amazing thing but my caterpillar was in the art show and I remember, and, you know, they put it in a frame, they make a big deal out of it. They put your name up there, you know, you have a little, you know, apple cider toaster, whatever, you know, like, and that's when I was like, oh, my caterpillar must've been pretty good, you know, like, <laughs> um, and still to this day, it's like one of the very few things from that age, because who keeps things when you're five that I like still have, and I'm still oddly proud of because <laughs> it's like caterpillar, you know? <laughs> That's great. That's that's really cool to have you to to have some of those things. You're, you're, you're really giving me the juice to go into my old art bag and check out some of my old stuff. <laughs> Say, hey, you know what? You might have to switch it. Get rid of this podcast stuff. You're no good at it. Back to the back to the drawing. I mean, uh, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> um, how'd you get into printmaking? Um, printmaking, I got into, well, there's different kinds of printmaking. Mm-hmm. So most people do printmaking before they even are realizing they're doing printmaking. Like when you're a kid and you got like the styrofoam, like trays from, you know, like the lunch trays from the cafeteria and you draw into it with like a pencil yeah. and then you like paint it and put paper and like make a stamp that is printmaking. 
It's just that that's like a lower level, you know, tier of it. Right. So I, when I was doing that kind of stuff in elementary school, I was already kind of fascinated with this idea of like making a stamp and making multiples. And I really like patterns and designs. And like, I'm a very like technical kind of type A artist. Um, So I like, I like steps. I like the technique. Like I like all that kind of stuff. So I was always kind of interested in printmaking. And then when I got to, um, let's see, high school is when I did my first linoleum printmaking where you're actually like, which is the more traditional printmaking people would think of where you're carving. Um, And like, if you are so lucky to, you know, have a printing press, you do that or otherwise you would print by hand. Um, So in high school is really when I got into that. And I did, I took art classes all four years. I took literally every art class you could take. They were inventing other art classes for me to take because I ran out of them. Like I did AP art, I did everything. And so I got like very into my art discipline in um, high school. And then from there, it just like flourished. So college, I was already super into printmaking. So I made sure to take like an entire printmaking class devoted just to that. Um, it's one of my favorite things that I teach with my kids now. Yeah. I get like so excited when we get to that point in the year when we can do it because it's a hard thing and it's expensive and there's lots of steps. So it's not like a day one project, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I get like really excited. I'm like, guys, printmaking is next week. Like I can't <laughs> wait, you know? So I don't know. I just, it's, it's, it's like something magical. This sounds so cheesy, but there's something magical about like, pulling the paper off and like seeing what it's going to be, even though, you know, you've carved it, but when you print it, it's, it's always like a little different. Yeah. 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 I, I might have someone that wants to talk to you about printmaking. I might have a person. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk off. We'll talk offline about it. I, okay. I, I hate <laughs> when jobs say that. Um, so let, let's talk about your, your current body of work and how, how would you describe it for those who, who are, who are undipped and unfamiliar. Tell us about that. Um, so if you were to like take a, a quick scroll of my Instagram right now, which is where like most people are finding my art, it's mostly illustration based. Um, mm-hmm. And it's also heavily in what I call artivism. So it's like activism, but with art. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I, when I first started my Instagram, I was posting a lot more of like traditional medium stuff, which would be printmaking, watercolor, you know, pen and ink, all that kind of stuff, which I still do. But honestly, like, I don't know how political you want to get, but when like the 2016 election happened, all of that, um, and uh, obviously that mm-hmm. the events that followed, um, I just felt like, I needed to do more than just post like a print I had done of a, I don't know, a forest or whatever, you know, like, and so I kind of started getting into more of like this political satire kind of stuff, I guess. And then I got really into like procreate and illustrations, like drawing like that, because it was really fast, you know, and I could get it out quicker than like a hand-drawn watercolor pen and ink, you know, whatever. So I kind of got into that, which is now kind of heavily more of what I post. But so I think sometimes people forget that like I do other things (laughs) Um, just because I don't post them as much. But every once in a while, I'll throw in, you know, like something else. And people are like, oh, you do this too? (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, I mean, mostly on my Instagram right now, it's mostly like um, illustrations. Yeah. But I still do everything. I'm a fan of political satire. And it, it, one of the things that's kind of interesting is uh, this this podcast is in, in some ways a response to uh, things that that previous regime were talking about. And oh, Baltimore okay. is filled with rats and so on. I was like, all right, I got to disprove that. You can't, can't just let idiots just say things. And it's it's grown into there are so many people out there who need or who would want or who could benefit from storytelling could benefit from having that, that out there that often are overlooked and not really given their due. So that's really what it is. And it all kind of boiled down from someone taking a really weird shot at my city. And I was like, I refuse. And instead of using a bunch of four letter words and getting my blood pressure up, I was just like, let's just pr- yeah. disprove it. Let's just do that. Let's yeah. just show people are doing good stuff. And uh, that's how you kind of poke holes into people's arguments, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's fun. It's funny. I mean, I don't know how long you've like been like with me here yeah. <laughs> on this journey, but um, like Lauren Bobert trolls me. <laughs> um, and so like, that's always fun. So, you know, like it, it is fun to know like that I'm like getting under people's skin, you know, because they're like, they take it so serious and I don't, you know, um, cause people can say some very nasty things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that like a sitting politician who is supposed to be like doing her job is actually spending her time trolling like this weird art teacher in DC, <laughs> like, you know, like it's just, it's like, it's just not a good look for her, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, like I, I've, I've seen just different people. It's like, why do I matter? I was like, who am I again? Like, I mean, I mean, I have yeah. a really high opinion of myself, but at the same time in the big scheme of things, who am I? Why do you care? Right. Right. Don't you have some legislation to not read or whatever? Exactly. Like, I mean, obviously she's not doing her job, whether she's trolling me or not, but you could at least pretend, you know, when you're openly trolling me, then you're clearly, you know, um so yeah it's you know that that kind of stuff is fun for me or like when the trolls come in my comments and stuff and just like say like really mean things and you respond with like something snarky that just shows that you're unbothered you know and then like they're this more bothered it's like, like I, te- I teach kids what are you what are you doing <laughs> i know i know and sometimes i say that i'm like i'm a middle school teacher you're not gonna win this like <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. I'm sure it gets under their skin even more. That's that just makes me that makes my day actually. Yeah, because I'm like I you I deal with like 12, 13, 14 year olds. Like whatever you bring, bring me your best insult. I can take it. You know. Mm-hmm. So with that, like I, I know that the school year has started up, just started up recently. Um, what what does the average day like look like, like outside of the school year? What does the average day like look like? And how do you like manage that like sort of balance as, you know, that artist lifestyle while having all of the priorities that you have as, uh, as a citizen, as a regular individual? Um, it's hard. I mean, I hustle a lot. Like, um, again, I don't know how much you know about my job specifically, but I teach at a school where um, it's a homeless status school. So my kids are food and ha- uh, food insecure and housing insecure. Yeah. So there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of instability. Um, so it's it's not like, I mean, you are mentioning Baltimore. My school is very much like the wire, you know? Um, I always use it as a reference because um, a lot of people have seen The Wire. And then I'm like, oh, well, that's that's my job. 
<laughs> I'm pressed loosely, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot. Um, for me, I'm fortunate that, you know, art therapy is a, is a thing. It's real. And my class ends up sometimes being a lot of art therapy because the kids are experiencing so much, whether you call it that or not, it is an outlet, you know, maybe not in the official art therapy terms or whatever, but it is an emotional outlet for them to get these things out. So anyway, it's the same for me too. Um, me coming home from school and, and making my own art, you know, doing my own printmaking, drawing, creating, whatever it is, that is like how I kind of claim my, myself back, you know, I also like teach, uh, at the Hill Center, which is like a community center in DC, I teach adult classes, drawing and painting classes, and printmaking. Um, yeah. So that also is like an outlet for me to kind of like step away from that. Um, uh, I swim, I ride my bike, my bicycle. Um, I don't have a car, so I ride my bicycle everywhere. You know, I have friends. You know, um, but you have to have like you have to have a, you have to have a balance. I don't know. You just make it work. But art is my passion. It doesn't feel like work to me. So even during the school day, like teaching art, that even if I have a day where I don't have any time to make something for myself, me teaching art and still being involved in it through someone else is also that still is validating for me as well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's you know, at times when you're chasing the thing and I, I work in the data side of academics and, um, at, at Hopkins and that's just kind of what my, my day job looks like. And, um, yeah, it's, I think when you're trying to do kind of both of your things, it's like one has to fill the other one. So like if I need a new microphone, Hey job, I need that. But you know, I'm, I'm using, yeah. using the resources I get from that. But if I need to be fulfilled creatively and from a passion standpoint, then I, I need to do some hours doing interviews and talking to interesting folks such as yourself. And I, I steal from y'all by the way, I, I like, this is, I'll put it this way when um, I, and I realized this recently, when everything was shut down and COVIDed out and people weren't going anywhere, I was like, man, I feel like I'm doing more socializing because I was just doing so many interviews. <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure. hey, I, know, I know everyone. This is great. It's like you haven't <laughs> left your house in three weeks. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's but it is that that balance that one is seeking. And it is it is hard. It, it oh. is a challenge. And I think I've had a few folks on who are in this kind of like uh, arts and in and, and, and mental health sort of space and what have you, helping people have the resources that that are needed and using art as the vehicle for it and, and definitely seeing the value of it and the importance of it. So I've read something about dreams. I read dreams are an important thing for you. So how do, how do, how do, how do your dreams inform your art making? Um, that's interesting. That's a very specific question. Um, uh -huh. I don't even know where you you would have found that. So you must have done some real deep diving. I did. Um, yeah, dreams are, that's really funny. That's very hyper-specific. Um, when I was an undergrad, I actually did an entire like series um, on dreams. And I had kept like a dream journal and I would like, first thing I did when I woke up, whether it be like the middle of the night, you got to go to the bathroom or whatever, or you waking up for the morning or whatever, I would like jot down like whatever I had dreamed, whatever I could remember. 
Um, and sometimes of course it made sense and more often than not, it didn't, <laughs> but I was like always fascinated with dreams and how that connected to our life. Um, and so, yeah, I did like a whole watercolor pen and ink series on that in undergrad and then have always been fascinated with it since, because a lot of times you're, whatever is, is happening in your everyday life. A lot of times that does show up in your dreams. That's when you sometimes like work through things, you know, um, like, I mean, at least for me, and I've, I've heard this from other people too, that it's it's not like so much as a, a premonition. I think that's a little heavy, but like, I don't know, your your dreams and your everyday awake life, your conscious life, like are connected and, and tie into each other. Um, so I just think that's really fascinating. And then I like trying to depict that and show that in my art sometimes. Yeah, that that is very fascinating, actually, and I I I think that it's because I don't know Freddy Krueger scares me because um, <laughs> it's in your dreams, and it's just like there is something. I think the reason why that works, there's something mysterious about dreams, and we try to interpret them, and we try to make sense of them, and I, I think like on occasion, I like to have a notepad next to me. Because mm-hmm. I, I read that you you have like whatever that is, it's it's your best stuff. Just just get it down, and and it's rare, but it has happened enough to to be able to say it. That I might wake up in the middle of the night and just feel compelled to write something down real quick, or I'll wake up humming a tune or what have you. Because mm-hmm. I'm one of those people. I have to sleep with some level of stimuli, not not lights or anything, but it's either an audio book, it's music, it's something, and it's helping stimulate something in the background. Mm-hmm. stimulating ideas and i don't know but i i think just tapping into something almost maybe some people talk about when they're doing like psychedelics or whatever that they are tapping into something else that's already there but just there is heightened and i think mm-hmm. dreaming is a version of that yeah. no i think it's super interesting and like salvador dali obviously was a surrealist artist and painted in this like dreamlike kind of state and there's like the story that who knows if it's true or not but I've always heard that he like went to sleep every night with like a big, like heavy, like kitchen. Have you heard this story? The, the spoon. Yeah. The spoon. And who, I don't know if it's true or not, but someone told me that story and it stuck with me. And even if it's not true, it still kind of makes sense. Um, that, you know, like that's when you're most creative. And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's what like sparked my, I don't know. I don't know how I got on dreams, but also my mom is a psychotherapist. So I'm sure maybe at some point there was a crossover. I don't know. <laughs> With that, are you mentioned Dali? Are are there any particular artists whose work that you like greatly admire or who have influenced like your work? Um, I, I I've really been deep diving into Austin Kleon and just stealing, you know, like like ideas and things of that sort. And you know, I think I think us artists are you know gentlemen thieves and general whatever thieves or what have you. So so tell me about any influences that you have and maybe like what you kind of get or admire from certain artists that are artists that you dig. Um. So I definitely like like some of the classics. Um. I mean, Picasso is definitely a favorite, um, even though I know people think he's like overdone or whatever. I just like the range of work that he does. Like most people think of Picasso and they just think like weird faces or something. But he's he's done like hyper realism. He's done. I mean, he's done everything. So like um, 
a lot of people I feel like discount him because they just they think like I said of the weird faces and like oh he's not really an artist and I'm like oh have a seat you have no idea (laughs) (laughs) so I, I do really like Picasso um as far as like a more like modern contemporary artist I love Takashi Murakami um he's one of my favorites um I also like him a lot because um he's a really great one to teach about with my kids because he's an artist that more often than not they actually know they just don't know that they know Mm -hmm. because he does all these collabs with like Drake and Pharrell and Billie Eilish and so like when I show them like the Billie Eilish like you can see me in a crown video for example the music video they all know the song and they've all seen the video and I'm like, all right, so you already know who Murakami is, you know, <laughs> now let's attach a story and a name with this like thing you already know. So I really like him. I love colors. I love bright, vibrant things, happy stuff. So even though not all of this stuff is happy, I mean, he um, has the Hiroshima background and stuff. Um, but I like him a lot. I really, I love Basquiat. Um, he's always been a favorite. I love Kara Walker, um, with the silhouettes. Um, that's what she's most famous for, but more recently that kind of blew her up, I guess, would be, um, like the, the Sphinx in New York that was made of sugar. Mm -hmm. I don't remember if you saw that or heard. Yeah. I like her a lot. I think her work is really, really powerful. Um, and I, she's another one I always do with kids too, because when at first glance, when you're just seeing the silhouettes, they're really beautiful and they're really like breathtaking. And you're just looking at like the, you know, um, black on the white background and like how stunning it is. And so you almost don't really pay attention to the story at first. You just are like taken away by just the beauty of, and then you start really kind of looking and that's what I always do with my kids. I don't even tell them what it's about. And then they're just like, Oh, it's so pretty. And then they're like, wait, is that person like hanging from a tree or, Oh wait, is that, you know, and you kind of forget that there's a story and then you start really paying attention and there's a whole story there. And then you're like, wait, this is like, there's levels to this, you know? So I really like Kara Walker a lot. Um, yeah, those are probably some of my favorites. It's great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's a good spot for us to kind of wrap on the the formal, more technical interview, the real questions I like to call it, and dive okay. right into some of these rapid fire questions. So I give you the okay. preface that I that I give everyone. Don't overthink them, don't overthink them, don't overthink them. <laughs> so uh here's here's the first one. Um if you could travel the world for free, where would the first, where, what would be the first place you go? Um, well, I do travel quite extensively. That's like next to art. That's my biggest passion. Um, let's see, where would I go? I mean, I really want to go to Fiji. I've never been to Fiji, Bali, Thailand, Philippines, okay. Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to go to Africa. I really want to go to South America. I don't know, everywhere. <laughs> That's not a good question for me because I'm like a crazy traveler. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Um, what is, let's see, uh, re- re- recurring dream. What, what's a recurring dream for you? Okay. Well, I haven't had it recently, but this is funny you ask, actually. This guy used to date, used to have a podcast, and he had me on one time to tell the story about my recurring dream. So there's already a podcast out there somewhere with a recurring dream of mine. <laughs> That's really funny, actually. But uh, 
yeah, I know. Right. Cause I had told him the story and he was like, that's ridiculous. You have to come on my podcast and tell them, tell the story. So it's actually, I don't think it's that ridiculous, but anyway, um, when I was younger, I had this recurring dream of a clown car. Like I have a thing with clowns and most people, when they're scared of something, it's because they had a bad experience. You know, you're scared of dogs. You got bit by a dog, whatever. I've never had a bad experience with a clown. I just don't, I'm terrified of them. So this clown car would come in the middle of the night park. This is when I was a kid at my house. We had a one story like ranch house. My bedroom was in the front on the street. It would park in the street. They would come out of the car and, you know, in the circus, like in person, I understand the logistics. There's a hole in the ground. They keep, you know, whatever. There's no hole in the street. Where are these clowns coming from? So they keep coming like endless clowns coming out of the car, slither across the grass into the window they take me away to the circus and like the whole time they're like, doo, 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 doo. the music is playing, you know, like it's so fucking creepy. Oh, sorry. I said, fuck. sorry. Am I not supposed to curse? <laughs> you're good, you're good. That's, that's um, really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then they would put me back in their clown car and I would be gone. And then I'd be just, I don't know. I never know what happened after that. I never made it to the circus. Cause that's when I would wake up in like a cold sweat, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it really, it wasn't like an exciting dream. It wasn't really even that scary. Cause I don't even know what happened. I never made it to the circus, but I would have that dream. I had that dream a lot for like years. I think, I think your uh, psyche was telling you you might start dating clowns. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I do. So <laughs> Not like, not dress up clowns, like men that are clowns. Like, uh, yeah. That's, that's, so that's, that's great. That has happened. <laughs> so here's, here's, here's the last one I got for you. Um, okay. actually I got, I got two more. I got two more. Uh, favorite cake flavor. Cake. Yeah. Um, I do like cake, but cookies are, I'm really a cookie connoisseur. Um, I am as well. Yeah. But I mean, I can, I'll, I'll oblige cake. Um, uh, see, I really even like the icing more than the cake. Um, strawberry, strawberry cake. I like strawberry cake. That's legit. No, no, no. That's, that's legit. I, mean, I like a, I like a red velvet. I, yeah, <laughs> red velvet is dope. But uh, when it comes to cookies, just 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 to indulge me, what what, what did a cookie? What cookie you go with? Snickerdoodle, obviously. Okay. That's fair. That's or, fair. or, or just like a classic chocolate chip. You know, there's nothing wrong with the classic chocolate chip, but I don't like cookies that are hard. So this is an unpopular opinion, but you know, gotcha. like Tate's, uh, Tate's cookies are like really popular. Mm-hmm. They're like the, like really like paper thin ones that you buy in a bag at the store. Everyone yeah. loves Tate's. I fucking hate them. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're okay. Um, I, I like a little doughiness to my cookie. I, I see because I'm bougie. I'll order the Levain joints from like New York. Those are good. They are ridiculous, and I always They're get the good. chocolate chip walnut because that's 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 the type of cookie I'm into. Give yeah. me nuts, so give me death, as they say. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think they say that actually <laughs> at all. Give you chocolate or give you death. <laughs> yeah, saying boom. That that's that's the saying, I guess. Uh, I think so. <laughs> so I, I, this is the first I'll actually ask this. Um, do you have any questions for me as we wrap up? That's actually the last rapid fire question. Um, so I'm not an auditory learner, so I actually don't listen to podcasts um, <laughs> because I just won't retain any information. If it's a podcast that like comes with a video, then mm-hmm. like that's different because you know I can watch that. But if it's like just audio, I can't do that. 
Um, so I'm always interested in people who are auditory learners yeah. and do things like this. Like how, how, how do you do it? <laughs> um, I, I, I think because, uh, I'm always multitasking. Okay. So, you know, my pitch is always, um, I, I think if I'm watching a video or something, I'm, I'm like focused in that you have two of my senses. You have my visual, you have my, my ears. So it's like, I'm kind of locked in, but if I can listen to something, like I'm not great at reading books per se, but I consume like audio books, like, like voraciously. Right. So that's, that's one of the things I've learned. Like I can just absorb it and kind of retain it. And I feel like going back through a podcast, I can listen to it multiple times. I don't like rewatching movies. It's something about redoing the visual that just doesn't work for me. But I feel that there's more uh, replay value with audio. That's and that's why and that's how I learned through it. That's interesting. That's interesting. And I'm the opposite. I could rewatch movies until I'm blue in the face. But if you tell me to listen to something for hours, I'm going to be like, you're fucking with me, right? <laughs> Well, I guess you won't be listening to this podcast. No, <laughs> no, I mean, I will. I will. Um, but yeah, I mean, generally I don't like, and I like to FaceTime. I don't do like audio calls, you know, like same thing. So no, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. That's the teacher in me where I like always am fascinated by how other people learn and receive information, you know? Absolutely. Um, I'm always interested in like someone's process, what their day looks like, things of that nature. In, in what way does that impact the work that they're creating? Like not necessarily, hey, you did this piece of art, but really what is the thinking that went into you doing that piece of art? So, yeah, that, you know, overlap there. Um, <laughs> so, so with that being said, I think um, we, we can wrap up there. Um, I want to thank you for coming on this podcast. And um, two, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check out your work. The floor is yours. Um, yeah, you can find me on IG, uh, Instagram, Lid Flutters, L-I-D-F-L-U-T-T-E-R-S. I'm also on um, TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. Um, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, I don't know, all the social media things. Um, there's a link tree in my bio and my Instagram, so you can get all my information there. So there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Christine Vineyard for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there is art, education in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it. <laughs> <laughs>